Well, good morning. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Well, it is a joy to be here this morning. Our team from Zambia is back, and they are here with us today. Even though I don't, I don't see where they're, are, are, are y'all seated together? Are y'all over the, oh, some of them are back behind me. Okay, so they're, they're all over the place today, and they are back. If you see them fall asleep during the message today, just elbow them. Uh, they're still coming uh, off of uh, time travel, so they are uh, trying to stay awake. I got a few announcements for you. Our senior adult luncheon is coming up this Thursday on June 16th at 11 o'clock at the Cracker Barrel on Schillinger's Road. Don't go to the other one because you're going to be uh, by yourself. But if you go to the one on Schillinger's Road at 11 o'clock, our senior adults will be meeting there. Love for you to come. If you sign up at the uh, events table in the back, then you can, uh, they'll, they'll have a place for you making sure that there's enough spaces also, the baby bottle campaign for uh, Save a Life is coming to an end, and we turn those back in on Father's Day, which is next Sunday, June 19th. Um, so if you would bring that back next Sunday, many of you have already brought those back over the last few weeks, uh, but if you would bring that back in next Sunday, June 19th. And also, I shared on Wednesday night, but the Light of the Village uh, needs help with housing one female college intern for the six weeks that they are interning at the Light of the Village. If anybody in this room is interested in that, um, if you would see Miss Barbara Barber or uh, if you would see uh, Randy Presley, we'd love to share more information with you of what that would entail. And then one other thing that I want to share, obviously many of you know that I am headed to the convention today. Um, Brother Randy booked my flight and so I have to be at the airport by 12 something. I think he wanted a short message today. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. The uh, flights got changed, and so now it's, I've got to be there. So when we finish uh, our time of worship today, I'll actually be slipping right out this door over here. I'm not trying to be rude, um, but because they changed everything, I have to get there quickly. Um, but be praying for uh, my wife and I as we head over to the convention and just these next few days. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, um, you kind of heard my heart on a lot of things. And uh, you can go back and listen to Sunday's message as we looked at Daniel 9 and just repentance of a nation, uh, repentance of the people of God. And so uh, just be praying for us during this time. Uh, super excited about uh, this Wednesday night. Uh, Joe McDonald will be sharing. And next Sunday on June 19th, Brother Randy will be sharing a lot about what all took place in Zambia. So excited about that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin. Uh, Father, you are so good. And we praise your holy name. Now, Father, this morning as we come into this place, may we not look to what's ahead later today, but may we focus in right now on what you are speaking and what you are doing. Father, give us the mind of Christ that we may understand your holy word today. And Father, I pray that we would be overwhelmed by your goodness today. That we'd be overwhelmed by your grace that we would not be overwhelmed by our current circumstances, but that we would be overwhelmed by who you are. So, Father, we love you and we praise you. And we give you all glory. It's in your name we pray. In the name above all names, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. If you're a guest with us, we have a welcome card in the seat back pocket right in front of you. Why don't you stand, say hey to somebody. We're going to worship the King. Amen. Let's sing together. These are the days of Elijah. 
And these are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. Sing it out! The fields are as white in the There's no God like Jehovah. 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 today and he has given us amazing grace let's sing this together who breaks the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder 
the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. done in our life. We serve you. Amen. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King above all peace. Who rules the nations? Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Yeah, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. Then you would take my place. Then you would bear my cross.
And that's what we have as believers. We have amazing grace. It was bought and paid for with the blood of the Lamb. This is not a, a cheap grace. He gave His all. And in turn, we give our all to Him. This is not a grace that you can sit on, okay? That is a grace that calls us out. And that's what Paul says in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And not that of, of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We walk in the power that is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back take the grace that you've given us for granted but that we would say Lord forgive our sin heal us, forgive us so that we can go out and do your work here I am, send me we pray that you would be ever before us Lord that we turn our eyes on you you would be the vision that we walk and we long for Amen Be thou my vision O Lord of my heart, not be all else. 
gospel. We know you daily, grow in you together, and we go in you to all the world. Lord, we pray that we would see your hand each and every day and be our vision today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We had our time with Moffat Road 
Baptist Church last week, and it was a sweet time to come together with a sister church. And we sang this song, My Soul Will Wait for You. It's based off of Psalm 62. And even when we don't see the Lord uh, working, we know that He is working. And we have to sit and wait and trust in faith that He is there. He is our foundation, our solid rock that we can stand on. fade within when the darkness overwhelms and my fears are pressing in I will trust in you O Lord in the silence I will wait I will stand upon your word you're my solid rock and my salvation my steadfast hope that won't be shaken my soul will wait my soul will wait for you you're my stronghold and my shield in the midst of every threat though the wicked never My refuge and my sure foundation, my soul will wait, my soul will wait for you. This is love I can't explain, this is mercy unreserved, through your sacrifice so great, I have peace that's undeserved. For the battle has been won, and I fear no shame or loss. Now the sting of death is gone. You're my solid rock and my salvation, my steadfast hope that won't be shaken. My soul will wait, my soul will wait for My refuge and my sure foundation, my soul will my soul
with us? Pouring out our hearts before you, we will trust in you. months, four months, and we're actually going to finish Daniel this morning for our Sunday mornings, as I've shared with you that we'll still be in Daniel 10, 11, and 12 on Wednesday nights throughout the summer. You may say, well, what about Daniel 8? Well, that was two Wednesday nights ago, and Daniel 9 was this past Sunday morning, and Daniel 9 and a half was uh, Wednesday night. And so if you were, he- if you were online Wednesday night, as we went through the 70-week prophecy, um, and I know that we did that a year ago, but we did it again because we were in Daniel 9, um, and you were really confused, don't worry, you can come to the office and get one of the uh, handouts, and you can go home and restudy it. I kept asking everybody who was confused, and the only people that were saying they were confused were those who were online, and I didn't hear it, so I just kept going. But today, we're going to kind of bring Daniel to a close uh, for Sunday mornings. You know, as we've looked at Daniel, we saw in chapters 1 through 6 the history and the story of the nation of Israel going into captivity or into exile. We saw Daniel had determined in his heart that he would not defile himself. We saw Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah would not bow to the golden image. And when they were thrown into the fiery furnace, it wasn't three in there, but there was four. We saw that Daniel... When his life was threatened because nobody could reveal the dream to the king, he said, I'm going to go and pray. We saw where God humbled the proud, put writing on the wall for the proud, and we also saw that Daniel would follow God rather than the nation or the government that he was under when he was told he could not pray. And he continued to follow God. We looked at chapter six, or excuse me, seven through twelve in the prophecy, and chapter seven is the main chapter of that prophecy, and we saw that there's a coming day when God, the ancient of days, will judge every one of us. But the only ones who will be able to stand before the throne of God is those who have been washed white by the blood of Jesus. What I love in Daniel 7 in that prophecy is that we see the Ancient of Days and what an incredible just illustration of what he looked like. And then comes one that is like the Son of Man and he is able to stand before the throne of the Ancient of Days. Why? Because it's Jesus. And the only way that we can stand is by the blood of Jesus Christ. As it says in Revelation, we looked at it multiple times throughout our study in Daniel It says, and who are these? These are those, the great multitude who's worshiping God, worshiping Jesus in heaven and serving him. These are those who have been washed white by the blood 
of Jesus. Now today, as we close, or in conclusion of the book, we're going to review the main character. Now church, who is the main character of Daniel? Amen. God. Previous to this time, we may have said it was Daniel, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, though that's their pagan names. But we have seen that from the beginning of Daniel to the end of Daniel, God is the main character, and that's the reason why it says uh, the kind of theme of it all is God is in control. He's in control. All throughout this time, we've said that God wins in the end, does he not? We see that in Daniel. We see that, that God is the one who is bigger and greater than all the kings that took over the nation of Israel and had them in exile. But as we look at this, there was one mention that just to me stands above the rest. And it was mentioned by King Darius in chapter 6. And in chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 26 and 27. And in this moment, King Darius obviously had been tricked to make a decree that that ultimately threw Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was in the lion's den. All night, the king couldn't sleep. You notice that that's a trend for those who were were kings. They couldn't sleep because one, because he couldn't reveal the mystery, and now another because Daniel, his best guy and his serving in his kingdom, is now thrown in the lion's den. And he runs out the next morning and he says, Daniel, has your God been able to save you? Has he been able to deliver you? And Daniel said, yes. My God has sent and shut the mouths of the lions. And he has saved me. And King Darius says this in verse, really 25 through 27. So I'll just pick up in 25. It says, Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, men of every language who were living in the land, May your peace abound. Now look at what he says about the main character. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever. His kingdom is one who will not be destroyed. And his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Church, probably one of the most profound uh, statements by a pagan king that's saying, hey, I have seen and I have witnessed the power of the God of Daniel. Now, let me stop here for just a second, then we're going to pray. But let me just remind you that the reason he was able to see all of this was because Daniel was faithful. When he was threatened with his life, Daniel said, Hey, I'm going to follow God rather than the government, rather than them telling me that I can't pray. And so because of Daniel's faithfulness, because of him walking according to God's holy word instead of, being, instead of fearing man, the king is now proclaiming that Daniel's God is the living God. That Daniel's God, his kingdom, will last forever. That Daniel's God is the one who performs miracles, signs, wonders, and delivers. Church, I want to ask you, what do people say about your God? By the way that we walk through our life circumstances and situations, do they say, wow, you serve a God where you have hope and strength and peace? 
Let that be a question that resonates on our heart today. Let's pray as we begin. Father, I pray that as we open up this text and as we look at these words, even from King Darius, Lord, that we would see you high and lifted up, that we would be overwhelmed by who you are, God. And Father, when we are overwhelmed by who you are, I know that it will show to all those around how big, how mighty, how awesome our God is. Now, Holy Spirit, Open our eyes, be our guide and our tutor today in your word. Illuminate the pages, and may we place it into practice, into our life, in obedience. For it's in your precious and holy name. Amen. Three things I want us to see that Darius said about God. The first thing is he says that he is the living, he's the living God. Now, this is interesting to me because he's ultimately saying all these other gods that we've worshipped, no, Daniel's God is the living God. He was not made by hands, nor was he created. He's always been, he always will be. He is the living God. He's not dead, but he's alive. Listen, this same statement that Darius made is still valid today. Yahweh is the one true living God. He's alive. Though the enemy wanted to put Jesus in the tomb for good, three days later, what happened? Jesus came victoriously out of the tomb. Church, this is important that our God is alive because if he's not, then Paul says we are to most be pitied among men. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, if God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is not alive, then our faith is worthless. uh, Darius says he's the living God. All throughout the book of Daniel, we have seen many attributes or character traits of the living God. And so let's take a moment and just look at a few of these. In chapter 1, we see that the living God, Yahweh, is sovereign. We see that he's sovereign. You remember that, the, uh, that God gave Israel over into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. God was the one that allowed this to happen. We see in Daniel chapter 1 that God is sovereign. He is supremely in charge. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and in control. Nothing can happen in our lives or in the nation of Israel's life here in the book of Daniel that has not first gone before the throne of of God. Church, we see that also in Job. Well, you can go and, and you write this down, but Job chapter 1, verse 6 through 12 is God, uh, the, the enemy coming before God and saying, Hey, the only reason that Job's following you is because you have your hand around him and his protection is your protection's on him. And God says, Okay, you can do this and this, but you can't take his life. And we see in this moment that the enemy had to obey what God said. The enemy could not take Job's life. Church, do we recognize that everything that happens in our life has first gone before the throne of God? And you may say, but David, there's things that have happened in my life that I just don't understand. I'm going through circumstances right now that I just don't get. How did this happen? Well, let me tell you, the reason that we have tough circumstances and situations in our life is because of sin. Because of the fall of man. So let's not blame God for our difficult situations. It's the fall of man that has brought the pain, the suffering, and the hurt that we have today. But I can tell you this, that everything that we go through, it first goes before God's throne. And here's the thing. We must recognize that God knows better than we do. 
It's all about bringing glory to the name of God by how we're able to stand and walk in the midst of difficult times because we know who our God is. Church, He's sovereign. He's sovereign. Will we trust His plans? The song that Heidi just sang with Aaron was ultimately saying, hey, listen, things don't always go the way we want them to, but will we trust that His ways, His plans, His thoughts are greater than our thoughts? Will we trust Him as we cry out to Him and speak and say, hey, this is what I think needs to happen, God, but whatever you say, I'll follow because you're sovereign. Church, the fact that God, the living God, is sovereign should give us such peace and such hope as we walk through these days. We also saw in chapter 1 that God's provider. Remember Daniel said, I'm not going to eat the kingly food. And so he did not eat of the king's food. Now, they were a little nervous that, that he would not, uh, not Daniel, the, the, the king's men were nervous that he would uh, look really weak, but yet he looked better and stronger than the rest. Why? Because Daniel knew that his God was a God who provides. Church, we see right here in Daniel 1 that our God provides. And so often, how often do we worry or fear that, that we're not going to have enough or there's not going to be this or that. And we start to allow worry to, to take over our mind and we forget that God's our provider. Matthew chapter 6, 25-34, you can write that down. But this is that, that saying where I get, don't worry until you see a skinny bird, Right? Because the scripture tells us that if God feeds the birds of the air who do not toil or do not reap, but yet he feeds them and he clothes the uh, lilies of the valley, but he loves us even the more, church. He's provider. The living God is sovereign. The living God is provider. But then it also tells us in chapter 2 that he is revealer. He reveals. Remember chapter 2, verse 47? There, uh, Daniel ultimately has given and revealed the dream that the king had. And the king says that your God is the God who reveals, gives understanding. Church, if you remember, if God is our revealer, if the Holy Spirit is our guide and our tutor, then when we are in his word, are we crying out to God, asking him to reveal and open our eyes to see what he's speaking? I think it's a little bit prideful on our part if we say, God, I don't need you to understand the word of God. Now, you don't say that, but we can easily think that if we're not sitting there on our face saying, God, I'm desperately dependent upon you to reveal to me your holy word. But can I tell you that in the New Testament, God's also a revealer as he is today? Because let me just remind you real quickly what it says in Ephesians 3. Now, you may not remember Ephesians, but we were in it for two years. But in Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 6, Paul says this, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, are we Gentiles? Yes. If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which has been given to me for you, that by revelation there has been made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insights into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations has not been made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed in his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. And then look at what he says. To be specific, here's the mystery that's been revealed by God to Paul and the apostles that's now being spoken today. 
that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Church, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that my God, the living God, is the revealer God who has opened up our eyes and understanding to see that salvation has come not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. So we see that he's sovereign and provider and he's revealer, but what about chapter 3? We see that he is protector. The living God is protector. Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah thrown into the fiery furnace. And there was not just them three, but there was one more who protected them from the fiery furnace. And let me remind you what the king said before they went in. And what God will deliver you from my hands, Yahweh? He is their protector. Church, how often do we fear what man can do to us? How often do we fear what's going to happen in the government? How often do we fear what's going to happen in our life today? And God's saying, I am protector. 1 John 4, 4 tells us that if God is for us, then who can be against us? Church, there's no reason for us to fear. Can you throw 1 John 4, 4 up on the screen for me? may take just a second, but I want us to see this scripture because so often we look at everything around us and we begin to fear and we forget that God is the one who is with us and that greater is he who is in us than he that's in the world. Throw up 1 John 4, 4 for us. Did I say 4, 4? Yeah, 1 John 4, 4. We got it? It's coming. Hang on. I didn't give them this verse in the back. All right, we can keep going. We'll keep going. All right. We see in Daniel chapter 3 that he's protector. Oh, they got it now. So you are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. So we see that the living God is sovereign. He's provider. He's revealer. He's protector. Oh, but chapter 7 tells us that he's infinitely wise. He's infinitely wise. Remember how it described the ancient days with this uh, just so white of hair that was speaking about how wise, and he's infinitely wise, church. So why do we often go to all the opinions of people instead of saying, let's turn to God and what he has for us? How do we turn to God to see in a situation we turn directly to his word? We read, we, we study, we let this wash over us and we obey it. But so often we put this as our last resort when this must be vital in our life. Man cannot live by bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. And if he's infinitely wise, as we see in Daniel 7 in that prophecy, speaking of the ancient of days, James chapter 1 verse 5 tells us that anybody who lacks wisdom needs to ask and he'll freely bestow it upon you. Sometimes we don't want God's wisdom because we think we know what's best and we really don't want to know what he's going to say because we're concerned about that. But can I remind you that God's plans for you are good? His plans for you are good. Not only do we see that he's infinitely wise, but we see in Daniel 7 and Daniel 9 that the living God is just. He's just. There's a lot in Daniel about God, isn't there? 
He's just. We see that every man and every woman will come before him and be judged. And let me tell you, he is just for those who have trampled over the blood of Jesus Christ for him to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But he's also just to look at those who have been covered by the blood and to see the righteousness of his son and not our filthiness. To see that we have been forgiven Church, we also see in Daniel 9 that he's compassionate. He has compassion. Compassion and forgiveness belongs to you, O God, as Daniel cries out in his prayer. He loves you. He cares for you. He's compassionate. I don't know about you, but I get overwhelmed when I start thinking about all the attributes of the living God. Just in the book of Daniel, and I didn't even give you all of them. He's sovereign. He is provider. He's revealer. He's protector. He is infinitely wise. He is just. He is compassionate. And I could go on. He's forgiving. He's infinitely holy. We could just continue on and on about all that we have seen in the book of Daniel. And there's one more, but I'll get to that at point three. The next thing I want us to see is first the living God and his attributes, who he is. I pray today that you get so overwhelmed by who God is. When you get overwhelmed by who God is, you begin to have hope and joy and peace instead of worry and fear. When you get overwhelmed by who your God is, you can walk out like Peter uh, when, when they were bringing threats against him and they walked out with boldness proclaiming the truth even though they said that if you continue, you'll be put in jail and possibly even death. Church, we need to get overwhelmed with God, not our circumstances. The second thing I want us to see about God, Yahweh, King Darius says this. He says, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. His dominion will be forever. He has an eternal kingdom. An eternal kingdom. Church, I'm telling you, I can't get enough of this. Because I, I put my mind, my, my, I, I try to walk in the shoes of the exiles in Babylon. I can't fathom the, 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 you know, they were once in Jerusalem. Everything was great. And now all of a sudden they're in a pagan land. Speaking another language in some sense. They, when I say another language, I'm just saying just everything is spoken differently. Right? Just if you go to the north, things are said that are different than what we perceive down here. And they're having to, to learn all of this. And there's different little g-gods and all these different things. And I'm sure that worry and fear of what has happened to the promises of God for the nation of Israel. I thought he promised us that we would have a land uh, and that we would have, uh, ultimately there would be a kingdom. That, that the Messiah would come. I, I thought that all these things were going to happen. What about the promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob? And we see here that even the pagan king Darius... And then we also see in Daniel 7 and in the vision in Daniel 2 that they have, God has an eternal kingdom. See, this is so important to me to look at this because if I was in the nation of Israel's shoes in that moment, I would want to know that, that God has not deserted us and that God's plan is still going forward. So church, can I tell you that God's kingdom is eternal? And it's still eternal today. It's still eternal today. 
See, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 27, at the end of that uh, prophecy, this is what is being spoken about the interpretation. It says, Then the sovereignty, the dominion, of the, of, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole earth will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominion will serve and obey Him. Church, I began to think about how that reflects to us today. I think about all that we're going through. You know, this has been a timely message of the book of Daniel because I told you that there's days that I feel like I live in Babylon. There's days that I look at our culture and I say, God, what is going on? What's happening? And God reminds me over and over, David, you're looking at the temporal. Start looking at the eternal. God reminds me over and over, you're looking at the circumstances that will pass away. Begin to look at a kingdom that will never pass away. Church, we must change our view from the things that are temporal to that which is eternal. And when our views are changed to the eternal, then we can stand in the temporal proclaiming the eternal. We can stand in the midst of suffering and pain and persecution and proclaim the fact that God's kingdom is eternal. We can even stand in the suffering and persecution to the point of death if we truly believe that God's kingdom is eternal. We see that King Darius said, Daniel's God is the living God. We've just taken a review of all of these attributes that we saw. We see that his kingdom is eternal. But then there's one other attribute that goes all the way from Genesis, Daniel 1 to Daniel 12, and that is that God is our deliverer. He's our deliverer. And I believe that if I was going to sum up which of the attributes is most seen in Daniel, I would say that I see that God is our deliverer. He delivered actually, the nation of Israel into Nebuchadnezzar's hands. But then he delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. He delivered, ultimately, Daniel from the lion's den. And he's ultimately, if you continue reading the the Old Testament, he delivers the nation of Israel out of the hands of exile and back to Jerusalem. We have three waves. Nehemiah rebuilds the walls. Zerubbabel rebuilds the temple of a bull, good job. And Ezra brings back the people. God delivers them back to the land. Church, God is our deliverer. We must live every day in light of that. So let me share with you, church, three things that God is delivering us from. The first thing, For those who are in Christ Jesus, He has already delivered us from the penalty of sin. He has already delivered us from the penalty of sin. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is what? Death. But Romans 5, 8 says God demonstrated His love towards us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. It continues on and says that we were enemies and we were reconciled to God through the death 
of His Son. Church, do you realize, first and foremost, that when you come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, you submit to the Lordship of Christ, He has delivered you from the penalty of sin. The penalty, the wages of sin is death, but it's also the wrath of God that comes upon those who have trampled over the blood of Jesus. Church, He's our deliverer, and He has delivered us from the penalty of sin. John 8 31 through 36, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are true disciples of mine. And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, then you are free indeed. Church, if you are in Christ Jesus, and I need to say, church, if you're in Christ Jesus, you can't be in the church if you're not in Christ Jesus. Those who are in Christ Jesus, the Son has set you free from the captivity of the enemy. You have been set free and delivered from the penalty of sin. But church, God's also delivering us from the power of sin. Right now, He is delivering us from the power of sin. We call this sanctification. He's growing us. And I love what Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize in our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, because Jesus has gone through what we go through every day, therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and grace. Church, this sanctification process is happening every day in our life. We can't do it. The way that we have sanctification in our life is by abiding and dwelling in Christ. And when we do that, the fruit of the Spirit comes forth from our lives. That fruit happens because of Christ in us and the sanctification process through the Holy Spirit inside of us. And we can cling to Him in the midst of of temptation and trials because Jesus has been through this and He's there to offer grace and mercy so that we would not walk in that sin. That we would grow into the uh, image, uh, reflecting the image of Jesus. Church, He's our deliverer. And the sanctification process that's happening in our lives today, we're all a work in progress, that process that's happening in our life right now shows the world that our God is a deliverer. He's a deliverer. But there's another deliverer, and that He delivers us from the presence of sin. God is going to deliver us from the presence of sin. We call it glorification. Church, I just share with you just attributes of who God is, and then I share with you that His kingdom is eternal. But let me tell you, it is a joyful thing to know that there's a day coming that we will be with Christ for all eternity. And there will be no more weeping and no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. Why? Because the presence of sin will have been delivered away from us through the blood of Jesus Christ. I love what Jesus said when he was speaking about the death of Lazarus, he said, Jesus said, I am the resurrection, the life, and he who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Church, 
we see throughout the book of Daniel who our God is. We see that we can be overwhelmed just by his character and who he is. We recognize that his kingdom is eternal. And that he has and is continuing to deliver us every day from the enemy and the power and ultimately the presence of the enemy and sin. So when I dwell on this and we close up the book of Daniel, I ask this question to each of us today. How does that change us? How does that show the world? What do we show the world? Do we show the world who our God is by the way we live our life in this pagan world? Or do we show the world that our God is defeated? That he's powerless? How do we show, what do we show the world by the way we live our life? Church, it's easy to sit in here on a Sunday morning and be like, man, God is all of this and he's delivering me and this is awesome and he has an eternal kingdom. But when we get outside these doors, it's real easy to lose focus. The enemy starts whispering as soon as you get out, do you really think that's true? Are you really, you really think you can live that way? Church, the reason that we study Daniel is to show you that yes, we can. Because Daniel lived in a pagan land, trusting in Yahweh. And so we too can live in this land, trusting in God every day, proclaiming his truth to all those around us because he is sovereign, because he is provider, because he is protector, because he is holy, because he is infinitely wise, because he is revealer, because his kingdom is eternal, and because when I breathe my last, he's delivering me from the presence of sin for all eternity. Church, when we live in light of that, we don't lose focus on all the temporal things of this world. But we set our eyes on the things above. And we go out into this world even till we lose our last breath and we say, you must repent and turn to Jesus. For he's the only way to the Father. And he loves you. And he gave his life for you. If you would just turn to him, if you would just submit to his lordship, if you would just receive Christ as Lord and Savior. So often, church, we lose focus. And we start to try to build the kingdoms of this world instead of the one that's eternal that will last forever. Daniel went to a pagan land. And while he was there, he didn't say, well, I'm just going to sit here And try to fade into the background. He said, no, I have a job to do. And that's to continue to proclaim. And to show who his God is. Church, I pray today that we would be overwhelmed. And show the world. And that they would get overwhelmed by who our God is. Because they see his image and his reflection in and through our lives.